Welcome everybody back to the keyboard Kimura platform podcast network, whatever you want to call it. I am E. Spencer Kite, your friendly neighborhood Spencer man. It is Thursday, May 11th. That means it is time for 10 things for UFC Charlotte takes place this weekend, Charlotte, North Carolina headlined by a heavyweight fight between Jarzinho Rosenstrike and Jalton Almeida. As I said yesterday, I like this card. I like a lot of the matchups on this card. There's things that intrigue me about every fight as we ran through yesterday on one question. But there are 10 things that stand out about this fight card that we're going to go through now before we do, as always, QR code up above me here. Scan that. That'll bring you to the Substack where you can sign up for a subscription, either the free subscription, the five month, $5 per month, or 50 bucks for the year. Every contribution to that helps me continue to put out content, to pay for different things, to upgrade the studio, to upgrade what I'm able to do. And I thank you greatly for your contributions or not free subscriptions are welcome too. we love having you around also up in this corner we see it on the head the boys of one bone one bone brand is the ig and the twitter onebonebrand.com is the website please go check them out trust me when i tell you you will like the gear it is all i wear i'm not just again every day i'm gonna say this until you guys really truly believe it i don't just say it to rep them for some reason. One bone, one bone. Love it. So comfortable, so well-made. For me, it is repping a Canadian company, which is something I care about, which is something that means a lot to me. They are starting to get into a little bit of sponsorship, a little bit of entry into the MMA space. You are going to be hearing a lot about them or seeing more of them. As you go on their IG page, you will see that there are a lot of famous people and famous athletes at that that are adopting the Womo brand. I'm happy to be on board. Happy to be working with them. Please go check them out. If you do ESK20 at checkout for 20% off whatever you're purchasing, show them that you got the info from me. I appreciate it. Shows that we're having a little bit of an influence. Shows that we're contributing over to them, over to their sales. And that is what I want to do in repping them. Now that that stuff's out of the way, let's get into the 10 things that I like about UFC Charlotte. Number one, Jelton Almeida's next test. Man, I tell you what, I, I talk all the time. We talk all the time here and I used to talk all the time on this platform about tests and how important they are within this sport and how you just have to see them, right? You could go into this fight with Jarzinho Rosenstrike, as I do, as many do, believing Jelton Almeida will pass this test, maybe even relatively easily but I just got to see it. I just can't wait to see it regardless. No matter how I feel about it, no matter what I think, I want to see those hypotheses tested, right? Because the beautiful thing, for me at least, about this sport is that I can be dead wrong and still be super amazed. Like last week, super impressed. Like last week, I thought Jessica Andrade was going to go out and dominate Ian Jaunan. The exact opposite happened. And rather than being disappointed that I got it wrong and the bets that I made on the betting show were just ripped up tickets, I came away being so impressed with the performance by Yan Zhaonan because I know what it means to go out there and have an effort like that against Jessica Andrade, a former champion. And so while Rosenstroik doesn't represent necessarily the same level of talent or the same level of competition for Almeida here as Andrade did last week, for Yan Jaonan, 
it's still the next step up, right? This has been a progression all the way through. Beat Shamil Abdurahimov last, back in January, excuse me, at UFC 283 in Brazil. That was the first ranked fighter that he beat. Abdurahimov was that, that bouncer at the front door, right? He's the guy you got to beat to get into club top 15. Now Almeida's trying to get into the VIP and, and Rosenstreich is standing there. And he's a formidable test. And if your argument is, well, he's never beaten a guy that is currently a contender, that's why I want to see this test, right? We've had, I think it's seven or eight fights now for Rosenstreich against, in this last run, since his four-fight winning streak, where he's faced some top contenders and former champions and former interim champions at that, and he's lost. And then he's faced... I believe it's three other guys in there. So he's three and four over his last seven, if I'm not mistaken. And he's beaten them. And those are the guys that haven't been able to get into that upper echelon. And so that's what's on the line here. That's what's sort of the narrative of this fight to me is Almeida trying to break into that top 10, but also that upper tier and show that he's ready for the Tai Vasas and Alexander Volkovs and maybe Curtis Blades and maybe down the road, Cyril Gagne or whoever else. And we got to see it. It's all well and good to suggest that he's going to do it no problem, to forecast that he is going to be a contender and somebody that runs through Rosenstrike on Saturday and then continues matriculating up the rankings. We need to see it. And that's what Saturday is. And I am absolutely pumped for it. Item number two, a truth machine matchup at light heavyweight. I love this co-main event because it is going to tell us regardless of who wins, a little bit of the truth about Anthony Smith and Johnny Walker. And so truth machine is, is sort of this cribbed idea that my guy, Tom Gervasey passed along to me of like fighters will, will necessarily, there's always these guys that sort of bring out and show you the true nature of their opponent, right? That's what a truth machine is. You've got to be a certain caliber of fighter and they will show you to be who you are when you're in there with them. And I think this is a matchup where we get that for both guys and out of both guys. Because Anthony Smith is a former contender, former title challenger in this division. He's dangerous. He's experienced. He's savvy. He's tough. And if Johnny Walker is meant to be a contender or has figured some stuff out to where he's now ready to be a contender... Anthony Smith is a, is a tough out and a guy that you've got to get through in order to get there. On the flip side, if Anthony Smith is meant to still be a contender and is potential to have another run here or even just continue to hang out in that top five space at 205, then you got to get through Johnny Walker in, it, or in order to do that. You beat Johnny Walker if that's who you are. And so no matter how this plays out, we're going to get a very good sense of who each of these men are going forward from here. So going into not just the second half of this year, but into next year and the next couple of years of their career. Anthony Smith has been around for a while. He's a little bit older. He's not like into his 40s, but he's in his mid 30s. He's also got 30 odd, 40 odd fights at this point. And so the miles are there. And so these next couple of years are going to be really interesting to figure out exactly where he fits. Johnny Walker, a little bit younger than that, hasn't been up into those great big fights yet. 
And this is going to show us if he's capable and ready to be in those fights. I love matchups like this. I love fights like this because no matter what happens, we get some information and we get some answers and ideas about each of these men, which for me is all I'm asking for in terms of an analysis side of things. We're also going to get a, a really entertaining fight because let's be honest, let's be clear here. These two dudes always bring it. It's always entertaining when they're in there. Win or lose, good or bad. There haven't been any Johnny Walker fights where you come away feeling like that was a waste of my time. Same goes for Anthony Smith. Should be a great co-main event. Item number three, Machado Gary's step up. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the one I've personally been looking forward to since his second fight in the UFC. So in his second fight, he goes out and he beats Darian Weeks. And after that one, I was ready for this kind of fight. I understand why it didn't happen at that point. I understand why there was the Gabe Green fight. And I even understand a little bit why there was the Song Kinan fight earlier this year. But this is the one I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for Ian Machado Gary to be in the octagon with someone like Daniel Rodriguez. Because for all of the good things that Gary has done thus far in his career and in the UFC, this is, this is the test right? This is, this is the next thing. And this is, I mean, I'm sitting here smiling. If you're watching this on, on YouTube, I'm sitting here smiling giddy because this is the stuff that I adore. We get a 25 year old undefeated prospect getting in there with a 36 year old grizzled, dangerous, fundamentally sound, not going to make a whole bunch of mistakes. Tough to get out of there. Veteran in D rod. And I can't wait because this is these are the tests these are the fights that tell us so much about these young athletes right this is this is where we learn and regardless of whether you think the rankings are meaningful or anything like that i don't even actually necessarily care that a win here is going to probably put a number next to ian machado gary's name that's neither here nor there for me what it does is it tells me where he's at in terms of his progression and, and sets up, gives me a clearer idea of what comes next. Either way, right? Win, and it's somebody else in the top 15. Those are all exciting to me. Those are all super intriguing to me. Lose, and we got to take a little step back. And that's intriguing too. How do you deal with the loss? How do you come back from the loss? What happens now that the aura of invincibility has been shattered a little bit for an ultra confident kid who hasn't had to deal with any of that yet and who has taken every little stumble and every little slight pretty well and rolled forward and continued to win. This is the stuff I love, man. And people that are saying this card's only meh and this card's only that. I wish you could, could care about and think about these things the way that I do because it makes it so intriguing. And maybe somebody will say, hey, listen, you're forcing it. You're trying too hard here. I don't think I am, man. This kid came into the UFC with a whole lot of hype, debuting at Madison Square Garden, gets a walk-off win at the end of the first round, does the billionaire strut, does the Conor McGregor, invokes some McGregor in his post-fight speech. The whole nation is behind him. I know how much, having worked with a bunch of Irish guys on an Irish website for the last six months and known them for a little bit more than that as well, how much they are 
invested in this fight and this athlete. This is the stuff that this is. This is what I love. This is what I'm after. Let's go. Item number four. Another Carlos Holberg appearance. Gary has the hype. He's the guy that we're looking at because he's in that fight that has real big meaning and real big value. Carlos Holberg's the sneaky dude. Carlos Holberg's the emerging guy on here that's a little bit older but inexperienced still in terms of his MMA career but has that dark horse thing going where, you know, a year from now, if you tell me this guy's in the top 10, I'm not surprised. A year from now, if you tell me this guy's on the cusp of contention, I'm not surprised. This is a big, strong, fundamentally sharp, powerful light heavyweight that works with an amazing crew at City Kickboxing. He has, in terms of like, marketability and promotability. He's got that side of things on, on lock because Carlos Alberg is beautiful. Like there are people, many who will watch this fight simply to stare at this man because he is that damn attractive. And I have no problem acknowledging that at all. This is a beautiful human being. He can also fight and he's getting better at it inside the octagon each and every time he steps out there. And this fight with Ihor Pretoria on Saturday feels like another opportunity for him to go out, show some of that development, show some of that upside, not necessarily start to make a statement because I think people that know are already aware and watching, but just start to convert some more folks right? Start to set himself up to where he's getting one of those matchups with a guy in the lower third, where he's getting Dustin Jacobi's or Azamat Mirzakhanov's or a Khalil Roundtree down the line. Someone in that range where we're starting to inch closer to a fight that's going to be a little more buzzy, a little more interesting. I believe the plan is to go back to Australia or New Zealand later this year. So that would probably be interesting to get Alberg on there with a win, maybe a co-main event slot, depending on if we're doing a pay-per-view or not. But this is an interesting fight for a guy that's quietly starting to put it together after losing his debut. Item number five, Alex Morono is fighting Tim Means. I mean, there's, there's not a ton more for me to say. I will, because obviously this is a audio and vis- video format and and method of communication but like an all action consistently entertaining guy is stepping in with an all action consistently entertaining guy to kick off the main card what like what is there not to like about this i really don't and i know i touched on this yesterday and i harp on it all the time but i really don't understand how folks that identify themselves as fight fans and folks that cover this stuff for a living, consume this stuff with the veracity that so many people in my Twitter timeline consume this stuff. Don't look forward to a fight like this. Like I know there's no championship stakes here. We're not talking about winner breaks into the welterweight rankings. We're just talking about two veterans that have been plying their trade in the UFC for a number of years 
that are going to get in there and mix it up on Saturday to kick off the main card. And I guarantee you, it's going to be entertaining. I just, there's, there's no way around it. It's going to be a fun fight. They're pathologically incapable individually of being in boring fights. And now we're putting them in there together and they're going to mix it up and it's going to be great. And everybody's going to come away from Saturday being like, that was a really fun fight. We need to start saying those things in advance. We are way too reactive in MMA. We need to start being more proactive. If I got to lead that charge, happy to be at the Vanguard. Item number six. Going to learn more about Carl, Carl Williams. Excuse me. Carl Moore, Irish fighter. Not, not fighting this weekend in the UFC. Shouts to Carl Moore. As I said yesterday on one question, this is the chance to learn more about Carl Williams. And, and while beating Chase Sherman isn't necessarily a thing that's going to tell me a great deal about his upside, this fight has the chance or the opportunity to really set that baseline, to really tell me where the floor is. Because if this is a struggle, if this is a slog, well, then I'm out on Carl Williams. Still watch him fight. I'll still wait to see and, and see if there's progression. Excuse me. But it's, you know, if you struggle to get through Chase Sherman, if, if this becomes a difficult fight, that lets me know what fights against guys at better levels than this are going to be like. Right? Like this is the one where if you're if you're somebody I need to be paying a little bit closer attention to, you go out and whoop this boy. You go out and smash this dude. You get a victory, you get a finish, you show out. And if not, I've got some answers, I've got some info. Again, I said it yesterday, I'm saying it throughout. I just want chances to garner information, chances to pull in data and make my analysis and make my decisions based on actual evidence, actual data. And every fight counts to that. Every fight gives me something. I get that not everybody feels that way. But for me, chances to glean data and, and get a little more, especially for fighters that are young and early in their UFC careers that I'm probably going to see two, three, four, if not far more times over, are important. Item number seven, the weekly solid bantamweight scrap. Cody Stamen, Douglas Silva. Bantamweight's the best division in the UFC, and I can't think of a bantamweight fight in the last, at least this year, where I came away being like, ah, that sucked. That was boring. That did, no, they always deliver. Flyweight's very similar, right? They, you don't get a bantamweight fight and I'm giggling and smirking and laughing here. But like, when's the la when is the last time we had a bad bantamweight fight? I don't want to pull up all this stuff as I'm doing this live on air, but like, I'll go through and I'll, I'll put it in the notes what I think the last bad bantamweight fight was. And I'll put a date on it. And yes, I will dial back my, no, but I like that meter a little bit because I know I'm a little bit of a weirdo. But like, talked about it yesterday. Cody Stamen's only lost two contenders and the current champion. Douglas Silva, a guy that's never in a boring fight. You put those two together and I'm interested. Then you add in the 
could Cody Stamen become the next Rafael Asensio for this division? That veteran presence just outside the top 15. And I'm sold. I'm hooked. I'm in. And it's on the prelims. It's a, it's a good scrap in the middle of the prelims as we work towards this great main card. I mean, if, if we can't get excited or we can't be at least partway into stuff like this and you look at this and you're just like, yeah, I don't care. You might not like this sport as much as you think. You might not like the UFC specifically as much as you think. I get, again, I get that it's not title contenders and the winner of this isn't going on to be the next big thing in this division. But it's a really good fight. It's an entertaining scrap. It's going to have a little bit of divisional significance going forward because one of these up-and-comers that we love is going to go through the winner of this fight. And then we're going to want to talk about that person and why they're important and why this is a meaningful matchup for insert whoever young contender we're talking about. I was going to say Javid Basharat, but he trains at, or Farid Basharat for that matter, but they both trained at Extreme Couture with Cody Stamen. So if Douglas Silva wins, fine. One of the Basharat brothers against Douglas Silva. And then we're going, oh, this is important because we think highly of the Basharat brothers. Well, if the future fight for the winner of this one is important, then this one's important. And I can't wait. Item number eight, Pete Rodriguez's first real fight. Yes, I'm recycling my question from yesterday of what will Pete Rodriguez show in his first real UFC fight. But this is fascinating to me, right? Very seldom do we have people that are already two fights into their UFC career. And it feels like they're just a wipeout, right? They feel like they're just a wash. They feel, to me, they feel like they don't really count. Showed up on like four days notice to fight Jack Della Maddalena last January in his debut. He got waxed and that's fine because Della is the goods, right? He's on that 290 card against Sean Brady. He's already ranked in the top 15. Newcomer of the year last year, continuing to do good things this year. Della's legit. Can't hold that one against Pete Rodriguez. Second fight is Mike Jackson. If Jack Della is down here on the he's legit spectrum, Mike Jackson is over here at the other end of that spectrum. So it's hard to really put a lot of weight and a lot of stock and a lot of value into Pete Rodriguez going out there and beating the holy hell out of Mike the Truth Jackson. That said, he did handle his business rather quickly get him out of there in expedient fashion. So that, that I like a little bit. It's part of what has me intrigued about this fight with Natan Levy on Saturday. He moves down to lightweight for this one. I think it is divisionally a better fit in terms of his body size, his body composition, size, structure, all of those things. Levy is an interesting matchup for him. A guy that's on a two fight winning streak comes from a good crew at syndicate. I think he's actually at extreme now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I correct that. I'm sorry. Nixick, please be okay. It's a good fight. It's an interesting fight. I want to see what this guy has to offer. I mean, he trains at the MMA lab. I have the utmost respect for Crouch and the crew out there. They have delivered a ton, a ton of very good fighters into the UFC over the years. Current versions. We're talking about guys like Mario Batista. That's where Sean O'Malley came from. That's where Mackenzie Dern got her start, start, excuse me, in MMA. Let's just see. Let's just see. Two fights in. I have no idea where this guy fits. He's changing divisions. It's a solid matchup. This is a fight 
similar to a bunch of these, where we're going to find out sort of where that baseline is, what that minimum expectation could be for Pete Rodriguez, and what the next step up could be. I, I don't need much. I'm a simple man. Give me that. I'll be happy. Item number nine, a couple intriguing women's bouts. So really interested in the Gian Kim, Mandy Bone fight. Because as I talked about yesterday, Gian Kim is somebody that has been working very, very hard to improve her game, has had some tough luck, has had some tough breaks, has had some tough results. And I want to see her get back in the octagon and get an opportunity to showcase some of that work. You look back at sort of the resume, these last four fights, these last four losses, it's the Champ Alexa Grasso, it's Molly McCann in a close competitive fight, it's Priscilla Cachuera in a close competitive fight. And it's Jocelyn Edwards in a close competitive fight. If you, I think you could make a case that she won the Cachuera fight and the Edwards fight. And then we're talking about a two fight winning streak and two and two in her last four. So it really changes the whole dynamic. And so setting the results themselves, the actual numbers, the ticks in the wins and loss column aside, I just want to see what another iteration of Fire Fist can be. I'm interested. I'm in. And then the other one is the opener. Jessica Rose Clark returning after not quite a year away and a very difficult, as she talked about on UFC.com this week, difficult loss to come over, to overcome, excuse me, and come back from against Yulia Stolyarenko last time out. Welcoming Tainara Lisboa to the octagon. Lisboa 5-1 and one in her MMA career, sorry, 5-2 and two in her MMA career, 5-1 and one over her last six since losing her debut to Norma Dumont. Just a complete wild card. A complete question mark. I have no expectations. I have no baseline. This is introductory experience. First reads, always interested in that, especially when they come against somebody in Jesse Jess that we have a bunch of history with, that we understand best version, what she's capable of, but also where she's been in these last few fights. I'm in. I'm in. Sign me up. Item 10, breakfast and violence. If you want to give me fights starting at 8.30 in the morning, Pacific Standard Time, on a Saturday, I will take them every single week. Every week. I'm in. Last week, we had the, I believe it started at 3.30. It felt so long to wait in the day. Now, it was nice. I was able to do some stuff. We took our dog to training, spent some time with my wife, all like that. All of that was lovely. But this Saturday is going to be even nicer because I'm going to get up. The coffee's going to be on programmed in the morning. I'm going to take the dog for a nice big walk in the morning. Then I'm going to come home, pour a cup of coffee, come sit down next door in the den, fire up the laptop to do recaps and write about Saturday's action and watch fights from 8.30 in the morning, which means we're going to be done maybe somewhere around 2, 3 in the afternoon, I would say. And so there's still the whole evening to just hang out enjoy a night on the deck. It's supposed to be really warm out here in Abbotsford over the weekend. And so feels like a good night to fire up the patio lanterns, fire up the, maybe not even the fire. It's probably going to be that warm, but fire up the lights on the deck, sit out a couple of cold ones, maybe a bottle of wine, maybe some nibbles, some charcuterie, charcuterie, easy for me to say, and just hang out. I love it. Face punching and eggs in the morning. What's better? Let's go. Like we find all these reasons to complain, right? We find all these things that we want to be upset about, that we want to be disappointed about, that we want to be 
so negative and pessimistic about? Why do that when you can be positive, when you can find things that are cool and dope and enjoyable? And I know sometimes you got to strain for it a little bit, but I don't feel like this is a card where we're straining for it that much. The main card is great. The main card's great for an offering of this kind, right? I think that's part of it to me. And this is a conversation for another day, maybe Monday on the podcast, but like the expectation level for different things. Like I don't come into this expecting a pay-per-view, just like I don't go into fight nights expecting ABC shows. I don't expect this on a fight night card. So next two weeks from now for that show on the 20th, that was originally going to be Raquel Pennington and Renee Aldana is now Mackenzie Dern and, and Angela Hill in the main event. I'm not expecting this kind of main card because it's a fight night show. ABC shows like this one, I'm not expecting UFC 288 from last week. My expectation is about this and I'm good with it. I'm happy. I'm interested. We're getting a rising star in the main event in a big test. We're getting another rising star in his big test in the featured bout. We get ranked contenders, ranked interesting dudes at light heavyweight in the co-main. We get two veteran, exciting, entertaining, always fun fighters kicking off the show. We get Carlos Alberg. Let's go. Super interested. It's going to be a great night of fights. Going to be really entertaining. I hope this has helped fire you up a little bit. I hope this has piqued your interest in a couple of people or a couple of fights. I hope you check out the Substack, spencerkite.substack.com, keyboard Kamora newsletter, putting stuff out every day of the week, quite literally, two things on Fridays. Check out the YouTube if you prefer the video feed. You want to see me decked out in this one bone gear. I'll be back tomorrow with the Punch Drunk Predictions and the betting show. Then Saturday, we get into the morning of fights. Appreciate you checking everything out. Love you. Take care of yourselves.